Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturdays. Hello, my loves. I don't know. I've never called you my loves, but that is the way I feel right at this second. I, yeah, you know what? I feel that at this second too. Hi, it's Anna David with After Party Pod, the website <laughs> and podcast. Well, After Party Chat is the website all about addiction and recovery, and After Party Pod is the podcast, and you're listening to it, so you know that. And um, if you're new to the show, welcome. You're one of my loves. If you're not new to the show, you're definitely one of my loves, especially if you're one of these nice people who has tweeted or, or emailed me about it or written a really nice review. And I can't tell you how much that, that means to me. So yeah, please keep doing that or, or start doing it. Um, I'm recording this podcast in an office with glass windows as windows tend to be and um, somebody just walked by one and clearly thinks I'm talking to myself. Do you see what I do for you guys? Anyway, this week's guest is Morgan Walsh who is well, the kind of girl that makes you wish this was a video podcast. She's just so adorable and sweet and wonderful and I got to know her because she did my show, True Tales of Lust and Love and I had no idea that she was uh, one of us, as they say, and um, she's not at all what one would picture as one of us, and she certainly, her story blew me away because I didn't know any of it, and th- I'm not going to do that thing where I'm going to tell you every beat because I, I don't always give cliff notes, you know? Remember in school when there were not cliff notes for some of those books that you wished there were cliff notes for? Maybe you're so young that Cliff Notes, you don't know what that is, and all books are, you know, can be summarized on Wikipedia, but you can't always trust that. Anyway, um, Morgan Walsh is an actress, uh, a comedian. She has been in tons of shows, including It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Shameless, Children's Hospital, The Realist, Realist Real Housewives. Oh, that's a show, but it's at UCB where she's an active participant, and um, and she's she's in Burning Love, which is, you know, the, the show everybody but me has seen and people love. And um, she's a mother of three. She's married to Matt Walsh of Veep and uh, UCB fame. He's one of the founders of UCB, along with Matt Besser and Amy Poehler. Um, if you don't live in LA or New York, you don't know how we're all obsessed with UCB, or maybe you do, but... I, took, I just took an improv class there. Everybody does that, even if we're not interested in being improvers. Uh, it's, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing theater and school, and the lines are around the block here in LA. So anyway, Morgan Walsh is very much an alcoholic, and you're about to hear all about that and about her journey to sobriety and her three children and how she manages all of that. So I give you Morgan Walsh. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh, my God. I think my copy has, like, blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? So, yeah. So you're a fellow podcaster, as we were just discussing. Talk about your podcast. The Mo Mo Show. Yeah. Mo Gaffney is a dear friend. She's the godmother of my second child. Okay. And she and I met at a place where people sit next to each other. They do. Yes. And you know those 
places. I've sat next to many, many people, people in those, and I've sat next to you. Not next to. Yes, close. but we could see each other. Yeah. So that's how Mo and I became friends. We were making the same jokes under our breath. Making fun of people. I'm right, not going right, to lie. Right. Okay. We were being mean in the judging. same way. We judging were judging in the same way. To. Yeah. And we, she looked at me and she was like, you're funny. And I'm thinking, you're funny because you're saying the same things as I'm saying. Right. So, right. And I know I'm funny. So, so clearly, clearly you're hilarious. Yes. Yeah. So we became friends. That Our friendship was born out of that. Mm-hmm. And then for a long time, she was like, we should do a podcast. And I said yes. And then there's all this technical stuff that mm-hmm. we were just discussing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like she has a kid and I have three. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, God, when are we going to do this? And then finally one day she's like, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. I have the microphones. They're clipped onto my Cable Ace Awards. <laughs> I'm going to record us in GarageBand, and let's just see what happens. And guess what happened? Magic was made. You took the word from my mouth. Magic was made. How many episodes have you done? I want to say like a hundred. Oh, my God. You, I have to say, the, the dream situation of the person saying, I got the mics and I'm going to do it in GarageBand. Yeah. Like, I dream of that person <laughs> saying it to me. You mean not having to do any work? Yeah. It's not just like not, it's not like a laziness. It's just that this is very hard. Yeah. For her, she's she's a nerd about it. Yeah. She loves it. She says she loves cutting her shows. Sometimes I'm like, wait a minute. Are you bothered? Is this something? Are you being a martyr? She's like, no. I actually love it. Great. And there isn't a lot, because we do have this natural back and forth, there isn't a lot of editing she has to do. Right. Um, They're on occasion, like our first show, for instance, I really was an open book, let Mm. me just say. Like a little too much. A little too much. Right. And I popped, my eyes popped open at three in the morning and I thought, oh my God, I got to tell her to cut that out. Right. And I called her and because she's my dear, dear friend, she was like, done and done. I actually already did it. Um, oh, without you even having to tell yes, her. Yeah. Ooh, what did you say? Now say it again. I can't say it again. But I dropped. I I said a few names. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. I talked about um, uh, early sex. I'll just be honest. Oh great. Yeah. We don't have to go into that. Yeah. It was just a lot of information. Out the gate. <laughs> like let's listeners, right? let's build our listenership and get them to trust us, and then we'll make or them uncomfortable. Let's gather them like right away. But okay. we did get a staff. From we some and by staff I mean I'm employees one employee who we don't pay okay um in air quotes I'm saying staff his name is Topher mm-hmm. and he's a student in Louisiana mm-hmm. and he heard it somehow mm-hmm. and was like oh my god wait he's not in Louisiana Topher if you hear this where are you I always do this I mean he not only doesn't get paid. <laughs> We don't even acknowledge Oh my God, the and I'm talking to him on the phone. Why did I say Louisiana? I can't be trusted right now. Okay. Okay. But except for everything else you Everything say. else I say. Um, but he takes on like our Facebook stuff. So he will ask the questions based on our theme to our listeners. And he's awesome. Okay. See, this was already my theory about you. Like, okay, I would just... I, that I'm that, incompetent? That you're just so... live the most blessed life and are so lucky. <laughs> I am so lucky. I am so lucky. But, like, that you're a little perfect. No. Not true. Are you kidding? That's, I know. And, and, and when I knew, when I found out you were one of us, I was like, okay, yeah, she's not perfect. I don't need to know a perfect person. No, I come with a whole bag of stuff. Well, okay, it's a bit of a relief. I, I'm just going to be honest. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm broken. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> but I mean, again, the listener <laughs> taking on the Facebook, I mean, listeners. Oh, yeah. I'm disappointed in but every single one of, of you. Because she it's has a really fan like... base. Totally. She has a fan base that existed long before me. I just had the privilege of being her girlfriend. People think she's funny because she built this whole career being funny. And now we do this show together and he... Sought her out and found it. Very um, honest. But it is no, it's true. Uh, it's the Momo Show, and you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have a guest, and sometimes we don't, mm-hmm. and we're not professionals. Mm-hmm. And but it's really fun. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm getting over my envy. I just think that's awesome. And envy's just, the worst. Envy's the worst. Do you know the difference between? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get this wrong. Between jealousy and envy. No, tell me. Mm, let me try to get this okay, right. Okay, try. Okay. Jealousy, envy's worse okay. than jealousy because I think jealousy, hey, if you're listening and you know the actual definition, 
tweet at me. Yeah. <laughs> Write me in Morgan. Um, but it's 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 worse because you actually I think covet covet and want to be that person. It's just worse. That's all I can say with confidence. Well have you experienced both? Oh my God. Yes, but um one thing I have to do I mean I mean I as you probably have too, but little teachers throughout mm-hmm. my life have given me like sound bites that I have to use to match my envy or my jealousy because mm-hmm. we don't know the definition. I don't know which one I'm feeling. Right. But both, both of bad. them, they're both uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so in work-related things, I have to get um, very spiritual because mm-hmm. this is a weird place and a weird industry. Mm-hmm. And um, so Lately, too, especially, I had one friend say, like, there's enough to go around. Yeah. But, um, and that one helps me a lot. But but lately, especially, I've been thinking, like, I don't know what each day it is that I'm supposed to bring to the table. Or right. what, what's going to be asked of me. And so I really try to be spiritual about what, what I perceive as my haves. What, what do I have? Right. You know, I might be backwards on it. Right. If that right. makes do I make any sense? You totally do. I mean, is it... I remember, you know, with books, thinking, you know, I'm outraged that my books aren't more successful. And then I thought, what if I've got it totally wrong? What if I'm lucky to even have one? Is that what you mean? Yes, I would say, yes, you are. Yes, and I don't know where you're at. Can we... Do we... Is it okay to talk about God? Oh, God. Yes. Okay. So I don't know where you're at with the God right. thing, but I... I get, how do I say this? Like, yes, not only is it being grateful for what you've already done, or and in my case, like what I've already done, but it's also like maybe I don't know what I'm supposed, like how right. am I supposed to be used? Right. What are the per- the particular gifts that I have? Because we're all different people, we have our own right. thing that we bring to the table. Nobody else brings Anna David to this world, right. you know? Right, And we spend so much time thinking that we want to have what another person has, but meanwhile not going, I can be the, I can, I'm the only one who can be Morgan Walsh, you yes. know? The only one. Yes. And I, well, a lot of times I beat my, or my internal dialogue is negative, like I'm a very sensitive, per, I'm very emotional, my mm-hmm. friends tease me because I can turn on the waterworks in a second. I remember you weeping at that party was for I, good reason. Was I weeping? <laughs> Not like weeping that. Weeping is a very strong word. I wasn't just you, tearing up. No, okay. Was but, I wailing? No, but you were, it was It was a great reason. I mean, this was part of my image of you as perfect. Um, oh my God, yes. that party. Well, yeah. I was very upset and had to excuse myself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're exactly right. So let's talk about that. Exactly. I mean, just so we know that you don't weep at parties. Regularly. Yeah. We were at a fundraiser for an amazing organization called Raja's Ray of Hope, which is uh, about a woman named Raja Jan who started a school for girls in Afghanistan. Yeah. And against all odds, she is providing an education to these young women. And so this particular thing was a fundraiser in someone's home. And there was a movie slash slideshow. Yes, about these girls. And and actually, I mean, I've worked relatively close with them. I, I did a live show at the UCB Theater to raise money for them. We donated the house. Like, I love that organization. I actually think that that is the exact way to create world peace. Right. Is to educate and and these gifts of love and kindness and support rather than war. Right. So I think Raja Jean is like a peace crusader. Right. I got very overwhelmed about the story of a, a young girl who had already, she was 11 and had two miscarriages. And I just, I'll lose my fucking mind. Yeah. Like, the practicality of a, a grown woman going through a miscarriage to me is a huge ordeal. Right. Let alone an 11-year-old girl with an 11-year-old brain going, what the fuck is happening to me? Right. And no support. So I got emotional. I went to the kitchen, and you found Jeff Goldblum consoling me. Am I right? You, I heard about it later. Like okay. When you, when you, he, you, one of you said um, that he, you wept in his <laughs> I was. I went in there just to take a beat. Yeah. To take a minute for myself. Yeah. And suddenly I'm being consoled by Jeff Goldblum. Right. Which makes me just want to cry at every party I go to in the hopes that Jeff Goldblum will come in and save the day. We have a picture of this. We have a picture of the three of us. Yeah. 
We do. <laughs> not your no one's weeping in that photo. No, we're all smiling ear to ear, and Jeff has a bow tie on. He so does. He does. It's really a dream come true. And I, I should tell you this, like two months after that night, I'm walking on the beach with my husband and three kids, kind of in a quiet beach. No one's really there. Lo and behold, guess who comes walking Jeff down? Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Out of the blue. <laughs> comes walking down the beach. And I'm like, why is Jeff Goldblum here? <laughs> like, it was so funny. And he sort of knows my husband. Right. And then we remembered the night that he consoled me in the kitchen. Right. Just like, what? You know, I know him pretty well. Oh, you do? Oh, Yeah. I didn't know that. I've known him for years. Oh, this makes so much more sense. To right. Me. Like, why was I all in up in the mix of the weeping and stuff? It just, yeah. why was Jeff Goldblum in the mix of the weeping? Not yeah, you. I was I not, he was not there because of me. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. But he's one of the greatest people. Is it true he's married or getting married to a contortionist? Yes. That That's is true. Amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I would expect nothing less, actually. Yeah. I mean, who's, uh, yeah. I, she's a bit young, but a contortionist would have to be. Yeah, right. This body ain't moving like no, that. I'm not contorting. Let me tell you what. Um. So okay. So you're emotional. That's where we were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm. I guess now I'm starting to go look. That's just my reality. It has always been. I sort of thought in being sober and and really working through some shit that maybe I would become less so. Mm. Um, Because I think before it was these big, like, morbid reflections, these big, dramatic reactions to things that were disproportionate to the event that was happening. Right. And now it's often, like, gratitude. Oh, Um, you're one of those. I'm overwhelmed by that. Very overwhelmed by that, um, the fact that I'm sober. And I don't know all your story but it was like for me a a long road to get let's talk about it okay okay so when did you first start drinking and Mm -hmm. what happened Mm -hmm. I my first drinks were really young um I remember drinking red wine at Thanksgiving at like nine and having it you know I'm blowing chunks out of my nose hilarious dramatic right funny um and then I decided I did not want to be like my, um, where I come from. I was really worried about being a practicing alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I had seen that in my life and I was like, that's not going to be me. And so when I found pot, I was like, this is a miracle. Right. God dropped weed into my life. Natural. It's natural. It's not addictive. No. Like, no. do you remember when that was out there? That it's it was still out there. But it's the not addictive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, but I, I really did think it was the answer. So I started doing that. How first. old were you then? Fourteen, mm-hmm. fifteen. Where was this? Portland, Oregon. Okay. Interesting. So, I lived half my life in Seattle, half my life in Portland. And then as an adult, all you did was move back and forth between the two. All through high school, moved back and forth. Oh, so that was your family doing that. Yes. Um, Well, I was moving in between my parents. Oh, I see. And then at 18, um, I moved to Los Angeles and have been here ever since. Mm -hmm. But uh, I basically became a daily pot smoker through high school. And I drank too, but it wasn't, um, I drank on weekends and I still thought like somehow I was immune to Mm -hmm. alcoholism. And then uh, in my early 20s, it started to catch up with me. When I would drink, people started to say, did you notice you did this? Did you notice you do that? Um, And I was blacking, started blacking out. Mm -hmm. And then at about 24, I was introduced to cocaine. Mm -hmm. And then that was a freeway just right into the rooms of AA. Okay, that I cannot picture, and that is not what I expected you to say. Oh, it was dark. It became very dark. I also used mostly alone. I wasn't a glamorous... Me too, um, with the coke. Yeah. Closets, bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, I would sit and pick at my skin. I would get the crazy, like, speedy eyes Mm -hmm. and think that there were things on my skin, and I would Mm -hmm. um, cause these huge... I actually still have scars, like huge welts. Um... And I was lying about it, and... So, yeah. when did you first do coke? I think I was about 
Well, the very, very first time I ever tried it was my 22nd birthday in France. And then I didn't do it again for another I happen to know there's really so. good Coke in France. Fantastic. How do you know from? Because I spent a month there in December of 1999, and I got sober in May of 2000. So I was circling the drain. That's so interesting. Yeah. Because it was May of 2000 that I tried Coke for the first time. Oh, my God. Yeah. There we go. Maybe you were doing the same Coke that I did. Yeah. It was, I don't know what it's like now. It was like, because I've been doing it a lot here, and it yeah. always like, it, it felt like gasoline kind of, yes. you know, going up. Smells and, like gasoline, feels like gasoline. Yeah. Probably is gasoline. Probably <laughs> is. I, and people would say it was transported in gas, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It did not, it was not like that in Paris. It was... Totally something different. It was something different. I had one dealer that I got it from. I he was like I still have his number in my brain. Oh right. Um, a Parisian number. Uh, no, when you came back here. Uh yeah. The, okay. Yeah, not. I okay. only tried it there. Right. Once. Okay. So I have one. You know, I used one guy. It was very very unglamorous. Right. Right. And. Uh, by the time, so that was like 24 years old, and I was living with a guy in Hollywood in a Craftsman like guest house, and I dishes were piling up, and lights were being turned off because I wasn't paying the bill, and the guy and I were breaking up, and his stuff was ending up in the front yard, and I, you know, it just became very, very dark until finally I couldn't see a way out, and I tried to kill myself on March 23rd, 2003. What? How? Or March 22nd, I woke up in the hospital. I took everything that I could take in our house. So I had a bottle of antihistamines. I took a bottle of Tylenol, a bottle of Tylenol PM, days and days of cocaine and alcohol. And I, you know, uh, took it all. Because the idea of getting sober was what to you? Just impossible? I really didn't know yet that that was my, I knew I was trapped by my drug addiction, but I still didn't think that was my problem. By the way, um, I have started getting so self-conscious about this. Like two weeks ago, I started to, like, blood started to drip out of my nose. I never got bloody noses when I did coke. And apparently it's the dry weather, but I'm oh, yeah. so, par- it's like happening right now, and I'm so paranoid that people think. Do you want to? No, okay. it's just like a regular thing. I, I mean, I hope it's not, like, it's not bothering me. Okay, but in, like, young adult novels, it's always like, you know what I mean? She, like, with things we read in school, it was sort of like she'd get a bloody nose and then she had leukemia. It's not that. I know it's not that. It was a little house on the prairie. Albert's girlfriend got a bloody nose and then she died on a mountain. They always died. But I feel like that was more like this, the 80s. Yeah. I don't think they die now. And and I looked online <laughs> and people are like, in really hot, dry weather. You get this bloody nose. It's yeah. not quite a bloody nose. It's just, anyway. Um, sorry. Um, as we were talking about cocaine, I got subconscious. Um yeah. So, because I'm, you're on coke right now. I, I know that's what I feel like people think. And you know, I don't think that. Okay, you're <laughs> fine. I still do that when I when I'm genuinely snap. sick. Yeah. When I call, like, if there's something I have to not attend because I'm sick. Yeah. I still believe in my heart of hearts that the person thinks I'm faking it. Right. 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 I've been. I was more sick than I've ever been in my whole life, and I had to miss my friend's wedding, and I was like. He thinks I'm lying. He thinks I just don't want to go. Right. And it's like, no, it's completely true. I could not get out of it. Do you ever have that thing where you're walking out of a store and it says no shoplifting? Always. Happened to me me before I came here. I bought a box of tampons Uh at Target Uh and still was like walking through the little barriers. And I'm like, it's going to go off. And everything. It's like, no, I, I paid for my, to this day. Did you ever shoplift as a kid? Um, I actually shoplifted, uh, I did once when I was like four with candy. Mm-hmm. My mom made me go back and apologize. Yeah. De- I was not a shoplifter at all until sobriety, very, very early sobriety. And I stole like a lipstick and a mascara, like small time stuff. That's so <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, I wonder if it's leftover. Par- well, first of all, do you think cocaine left you permanently paranoid? Ever? Um, I actually do think I have uh, a maybe some brain damage from weed. Okay. Maybe from cocaine too, but I, um, my weed consumption was just so substantial for years. I mean, and when my brain was developing. So basically from 14 to 24, I was basically a daily pot smoker. Uh, And you know the the female brain is not fully formed at 25. Right. There you go. Like, I'm definitely brain damaged. You sure seem very with it. There, it's when do your does your brain ever do things like I will suddenly feel like I'm gonna forget 
a dear friend of mine's name in the middle of talking to them. Mm-hmm. Or like when I need to say something to someone and call them by their name, I'm always scared I'm going to say the wrong name. Like it's That's interesting. It's a weird, I think my wires get crossed sometimes even though. But do you ever say the wrong name or is it just a paranoia? It's just a paranoia. Um, interesting, interesting. I'm just terrible with names. Like just horrible. It's a real practice. It is. Well, I, if, I think if, if I p- look at the person and I go, you look like a Morgan. Mm-hmm. That's easy. But oh, there good. are people who don't look like their names. Yeah. You know? Or how about those people that don't look like anything and then they don't make it for some reason. And it's not saying anything about them. It's really more of a comment on me. But the people that don't make an impression. And I'm like, I yeah. still can't. I met her four times and I do not know her name. But I have you ever been that person to someone? I want to die. I have. But I mean, I think it's more like a phony thing that people pretend, oh, what's your name? Yeah. You know? Oh, maybe. I have been with, I, this is a good story for your show. I, there's a kid's class. It's called Mind Gym. Mm-hmm. And you can bring, people bring their babies and they play in this padded room. Is it on Robertson? There's, there is a chain. I it. Okay. There's a chain of them. So I was once with a dear friend of mine who I know from being sober and she, her baby and my baby are in there and we're playing. And then there's a, some, a married couple and I, I know the husband and I've maybe met the wife once and, and my friend who I'm with knows them too mm-hmm. or seems familiar. And, and when I go to, I didn't know that though. And I go to introduce my good mm-hmm. friend to this married couple and the wife looks at her, my friend, and she's like. My name is, uh, this is an example. She's like, my name is Alice, and we've met many times. Right? To you? No, to my friend. I right. was trying to introduce my friend. Right. A little space in the padded room. They go and do their activities. We go and do ours, and my friend pulls me aside, and she's like, oh, my God, I slept with that woman's husband. Oh, my God. And I've made an amends to her. Oh, my God. And every time I see her, I don't remember her name. Ooh, that's like trauma that it, she's blocked out. Totally. Yeah. But it was, I erupted in laughter because I could see my poor friend was like dying inside she was like why am I such an asshole right but I know my friend's heart yeah she just it's one of those weird things and she at the time had been sober for a very long time lived her life differently was like right right but she had just like triple fucked that lady over like I mean quadruple over over again Oh my god! Wait, okay. So I want to go back. So I want to know what led from twenty-two Paris Coke or, um, to the suicide attempt. Sure. Um, so I got buried under, you know, much like I am with all substances. Um, it really, I'm in. I'm gonna find a way to be addicted. If there's something that takes me outside myself. I use it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started doing Coke on a daily basis. I was overdrawing my uh, checking account. At the time, you could, like, borrow against the imp- the coming paycheck. Um, oh. Yeah, through the bank. And so I was doing – I was always doing that. Where were you working? Um, I worked at a post house here in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I – and my poor boyfriend who I was living with, he drank and he smoked pot and he would occasionally do Coke, but I was – absolutely staying up at night and doing it and hiding it um and then finally it was like I'd had so many days in a row of like I'm not gonna do this today Mm -hmm. and then still doing it Mm -hmm. um we were also approaching war with Iraq Mm -hmm. at that time like Mm -hmm. Afghanistan had happened and I was like again I'm a sensitive person I was like this world is going to shit you know I felt like also my best friend and my boyfriend were had an attraction for each other. I just, everybody else had it together. I didn't, my perception. And I couldn't stop doing cocaine. And so I I decided the best way would be for me to check out. And I truly felt like I was doing a service Mm. to the people around me. I thought, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, people do say it's a very selfish act. And today I would never, I have three children, a right. husband, I would never um, try to take my own life um, today. But my, when your self-esteem is so low and you really think you're not hurting other people when you hurt yourself, right. you know? So that's where I was at. And I just wrote this long list of names of people I felt had wronged me. That and was your note? That was my note, was just names. And uh, I ended up at Cedar Sinai through, I 
I actually woke up vomiting blood. Mm -hmm. A long story, but my dear friend lived, shared the building with me and lived in the duplex next door. Right. She called someone. They got me to Cedar sinai They checked me in. Um, I was on a 72-hour hold and then two weeks, and that didn't get me sober at all. That was like... You know, two years before I got sober. So wait, that was two weeks in the hospital. Two weeks in the psych ward. Right, yeah. right. What was that like? You know, I. it's hilarious how you think, like, I thought I was the one that really I had it together in right, there. Right, Um, I kind of befriended these, like, wayward souls. Um, probably other people in the same position as me. There was this one guy they called the singing man who just sang everything he wanted to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did, and they gave me a lot of medication, like Mm -hmm. antidepressants, anti-anxiety. Had you ever been on any? I had been on Zoloft in high school, but not any anti-anxiety medication. Right, right. And, uh, you know, that was just a blip in the long story. It was like, from there, I tried to get it together. I was like, okay, I'm just not going to do cocaine. Like, cocaine was my problem. Right. Kept drinking, kept smoking weed. I kind of cleaned my house and got it together. Again, painted this illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, met this guy, went on a date, Boy, because the other boyfriend and I were done. Met this guy, went on a date, and on that date is my first real, like, someone brought it to my attention, major blackout. I, I was in one place with him, and then I was in another. Mm-hmm. And I think I blacked out many times before that, but this is the first time someone painted the picture He did. Me. Yes. I woke up with, like, my TV on the ground, clothes everywhere. He wasn't there. I was so confused. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and I started dating because he was like, what a catch. Right. But okay. The, the issue that I – okay. So I know the story you told at True Tales. Oh, yeah. That's much later. Okay, because that it always intrigued me once I found out you were sober that that involved the pot. Yeah, yeah, that was um, 2005. Okay, okay. And this is like 2003, three, four. Mm-hmm. Um, and that guy, the one I'm telling you about, who decided let's start dating. Yeah, he's the one that was like, "Do you realize when we open a bottle of wine, you, you drink three me. glasses and I have one?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "Do you see that?" And I really. It was kind of a gift. Mm-hmm. He was probably major Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. And he was like coddling me as I was completely unraveling. Mm-hmm. So now we're learning, I was learning, and he was learning that I am having a reaction to alcohol when it goes in my body. And it's not cocaine. Mm-hmm. And it's not the weed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do have a reaction with that stuff too. Right. So he was the one that called my family, alerted them, and, you know, beat, beat, beat. I end up in a treatment center. Were you mad that he did that? Um, no, I had passed out twice at work in the middle of the day, twice in the same day. Um, from drinking, from drinking, mm-hmm. I was drinking sake in my car. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to like laugh it off and pretend like I was on, uh, it was my anxiety medication that was just going around, mm-hmm. but really, no, um, I was just drunk. And, um, so that's what. My relationship with him and going into that treatment center started the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until um, about, uh, oh, it was early, early January 2005, I had my last drink. Mm-hmm. 2004 was my last drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to, from, I was going to AA, mm-hmm. I was smoking pot while in AA, mm-hmm. and I um, would go for a little bit without drinking and drink, go for a little bit without drinking and drink. October 2004, got hammered, was like, that's it, I gotta stop drinking, but Mm -hmm. I'm gonna keep smoking pot. Mm -hmm. I knew that. January, I went out with an old friend, he ordered a drink, and I ordered a drink because I didn't yet know how to do social stuff, Mm -hmm. but the shift had happened. I really believed I was allergic to alcohol, Mm -hmm. and so I threw it up in the bathroom right after I drank it, Mm -hmm. got up and threw it up, Um, and that was my last... uh, alcohol consumption, January of 2005. And then you started counting days. Yeah, it was September 19th of 2006 that I gave up weed. Okay, the whole year later. The whole year later. But that's the year you met your husband. Yeah, I met my husband uh, about eight months after I stopped drinking, nine months after I stopped mm-hmm. drinking. And, uh, and he... It was like, have you had that experience where you sit down with someone who's normal and they're like, have a glass of wine. Right. First date. Right, right, right. 
He was like, just try this Chianti. It is so nice. But, okay, but I think it's interesting. You met him. It's such a great story. Yeah. So you went to UCB for the first time in New York. Yeah. And well, loved it. Yes. I actually uh, was dating a guy who uh, was a lot of trouble. He's an actor now. Kind of a big, successful mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. Now his name is, I can, I'll say his name yeah. because we're friends. But this guy, John Bernthal. And he, um, he said, come to New York with me. I'm doing this movie. I said, great. But I felt like he was going to break up. I was like, he's going to, this isn't going to be right. for real. And so I made my arrangements to go to New York um, without him. I still went. Sure enough, he broke up with me. He was right. not in love with me. He moved on. And um, I went to New York anyway. And every day of that trip, I went to show after show after show at UCB. And my last night going to, New- to UCB on that trip, my husband was there performing. Mm-hmm. He's now my husband. Yeah. And um, and we met after one of his shows. Mm-hmm. And then he said, can I convince you to stay in New York? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we had this magical sort of meeting. But I was judging him. I was like, I mean, do you want the real story? Yes, okay. of course. I had, on my way to the show that I met him at, in the subway window, mm-hmm. this is the true part of the story, which sounds crazy to some people. I felt like, well, this voice or these words came to my mind, and that was, you're going to meet the man that's going to change your life, and he's not going to come in the form you expect. That was the phrase. Okay. Weird. Yeah. So I thought, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was like, okay, I guess something's going to happen tonight. And I've had these little premonitions throughout Mm -hmm. my life, so it's like, I guess something's going to happen. I go to the show. Um... Matt Besser, Matt Walsh, she's my husband, <clears throat> and Horatio Sands are up on the stage performing. Mm-hmm. And my husband, Matt, was smoking cigarettes. He was, like, kind of drunk. <laughs> and I was like, who is that fucking dude? If he smokes one more cigarette, it's going to make me crazy. Right. Um, but anyway, the end, I laughed a lot. That was very funny. The end of the show, I went to leave, and I was like, I guess I was wrong. I guess I'm not going to meet the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized I forgot my coat. Mm-hmm. So I turned back around, walked down the stairs to UCB, and in front of the chair that had my green corduroy jacket was Matt, mm-hmm. my current husband. And I grabbed my coat and I said to him, I hear there's a UCB theater in LA. And he said, yes, there is. And I said, oh, that's where I live. And he says, I live there too. Do you want to come backstage? Mm-hmm. And I said, sure. And then he's like, do you want to take a walk? And we took a walk. And, um, and then he said, do you want to meet me at the New York City Marathon tomorrow to watch the marathon? And, um, and I did. Wait, but then, but then you had a joint in your purse. Yes. I had a joint in my purse. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it's, I do, but then if my kids ever hear it, I'm like, oh. Right, um, but still. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was long ago. It was. Okay. Um, I still was smoking pot, and I mm-hmm. said, at the end of saying I live in L.A., and he's like, I live in L.A. too, I'm like, I, oh, NPS. Right. I have this joint in my purse. I always do. And he's like, well, we should go backstage. Right. And we went backstage, and we smoked that joint. And then he said, let's take a walk, and mm-hmm. we took a walk. And he actually asked me on that walk, he, slept, he said, let's go get a drink. And I'm like, I don't drink, but I'll take a walk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we met you know, at the New York City Marathon the next day in front of the dog statue, Balto, um, which at the base of the statue says endurance, fidelity, intelligence. Mm -hmm. But I didn't notice that, and it wasn't until a year later when he took me in front of that statue to propose Mm -hmm. that we noticed that the plaque says endurance, fidelity, intelligence. Wow. Um, And I was pregnant with our first child when he proposed a year later. And you were sober by then. And I was sober, sober in by September. Then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And did you get sober because of getting pregnant? Yeah. Again, I went to AA every day. Mm-hmm. I tried to work the steps smoking pot. Mm-hmm. I had given up alcohol and cocaine. I believed in the principle so much. And what I believed was... You guys, it worked for you. Right. This was a real thing, and it works for you guys. I just couldn't see how I could ever not put something in my body. Right. And I prayed sincerely. I was like, God, please help me get sober and not let the shit storm that happened before happen. I was Mm -hmm. like, please let it not get so bad like it did before. Because I've had like a hundred bottoms by that point. Right. Homelessness, joblessness, just insanity. I didn't have any. I'd gotten kicked out of apartments. 
I was living in a car and, and couch surfing with different friends. It was just, right. you know, I've had so many dark bottoms right. that I was like, just please let that not happen again. And I sort of picked my life back up again um, in Venice. I love Venice, California. Mm-hmm. I was riding my bike. Mm, I was waiting cute. at tables. Yeah. I was working out at Gold's Gym. Right. And I was going to tons of meetings and then smoking weed in my little right. cave right. apartment. Um, and I, but I said that prayer and on September 19th, I woke up with morning sickness. I threw up mm-hmm. and luckily Matt and I had been dating for just shy of a year at mm-hmm. that point, like a couple months shy of a year. Mm-hmm. And, um, he had, we'd had a talk. He was like, are you know, do you want to do this life with me? Mm-hmm. Basically, he didn't say, will you marry me? But he's like, are you in this? Do you want to be with anybody else? And I was like, no. And I said, do you want to do this with me? And he said, yes. And, um, but he was traveling so much for work um, at that time. And September 19th, woke up with morning sickness. And I already had a ticket to go see him mm-hmm. in a couple days in New York. And I called him and I said, are you alone? Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, okay, I'll get alone. And I said, I'm pregnant. And he just said, oh, wow. You're not only the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with, but you're also going to have my baby. Wow. And much like my first meeting with him, I didn't get that when I was going to New York a couple days later, he already had a ring. He was wow. That was the trip he was going to propose to me on. Wow. So I, you know, he, I didn't know that. Um, but then he picked me up at the airport, took me to the statue of the dog, and proposed. Right. And by the time we got married, we'd had Jude, our first son, and I was seven months pregnant with Emmett, our second son, and now we have three. Right. Mm-hmm. Is it all boys? No, two boys and a girl. And so September happens. How different was it uh, quitting drinking and quitting smoking pot along with drinking? You know, um, quitting, quitting drinking for me was really hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're, I, I had, I did have that switch though, where I yeah. was like, oh, cause I tried and failed so many times to drink safely. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, and I started, I picked up the book mm-hmm. and I read the doctor's opinion and I was like, that's me. Somebody knows what I'm going through. Cause I thought I was crazy, mm-hmm. you know, and the story of the, Jaywalker, I completely right. identified with. I love that story. I love it so much. It was like, oh, I'm losing a job. I'm hurt, you know. Oh, these injuries are happening, and still I continue to do right. the very thing that's hurting me. Right. That must be crazy. Yeah. You know? So I quit once I had enough education, and that switch happened. Um, with weed, it was very much like I had so much AA in me yeah. that I knew I was going to be okay if I just took this opportunity, this window of grace mm-hmm. to put it down. And I was like, well, I have a baby inside me. I cannot do this. You know, I can't smoke anymore. And it did help me because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm the kind of alcoholic, you know, that phrase, I'm sure you've heard it, where like everything I let go of has claw marks on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm at. And... Um, you know, I wish I could say that being pregnant takes away the desire to get outside yourself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of emotional, like I threw this carrot beet juice. I got a parking ticket mm-hmm. and I threw this carrot beet juice down in my car and it filled my whole car. Yeah. It was so it's like carrot beet juice, like yeah. the worst thing. And yeah. Can't you throw it outside the car? I yeah. Mean, seriously. The worst one. Um, but I remember like, and I left three different restaurants totally heated because they didn't have a tuna salad sandwich on white bread with one piece of lettuce. Mm -hmm. Like, I was out of my mind. Yeah. I was... But I would think you'd be even more crazy with the... I mean, the hormones of being pregnant. I think... Well, it was all of that. And the new sobriety. Yeah. New sobriety. There wasn't... um, I think, too, because Matt uh, is a normal dude... And we were sort of on this, tr- I was just expected to sort of rise to the level of, oh, I'm a responsible person. Right. 
that it was a very fast moving train yeah. of like, I just go to, now I go to meetings every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in with both feet. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even totally understand it in the beginning. Right. And I, I luckily had that um, switch in my mind that I was like, oh, I'm, I have to do this in the face of everything. Mm-hmm. If people don't get it, I can't care. Right. If it's inconvenient to them that I go to meetings and I invest my, my time and my sobriety, I don't care because now it's not only my life, but it's the life of this baby. Mm-hmm. And um, and Matt and I had so, there was so much growing we did. Yeah. Um, when I think about it now, I'm like, oh my God, there were so many changes that I went through. Yeah. Um, but I was able to do it within the parameters of our, our home, and I, I really kept my AA stuff outside. Right, right. Did you tell people, oh, I was not really doing the sober thing when I was yes. there before? Yeah. Totally got honest. Yeah. Um, and I moved all, I mean, that's the other thing that happened. My meetings have really been in the west side. Yeah. And um, I did fess up there, but then I went to the, um, I'm sure they knew. That's the thing everybody always knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I moved to the valley, and that's when like my real sobriety. Yeah, and there's on. some serious sobriety in the valley. Yeah, I feel like I just rambled so much. It was amazing. That was not rambling. That's called telling a story and answering a question. Okay. Perfectly. It's fascinating. I just never knew any of this. Um, and you have to admit that just like the way you look, it's a great example, you know what I mean? You just, you have this just such an innocence about the way you look. I would love to admit that, but I don't think, I, you know, not to be like a cheesy about it, but accurate self-appraisal yeah. is not something I have to sell it. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I, yeah. I really don't know, you yeah. know, how I come right, up. Right, right. Um, but I have had people, like when you lead a meeting or, when I um, when I lead a meeting, right, and then at some point in the meeting, I tell my drunk log and then say, and now I'm married to three kids. There yeah. is like a collective like, <gasps> like what? Right. You know, after all that, she now has this family and very quickly because it's it's rare to get pregnant. You know, the whole thing usually it takes a long time after sobriety. You know, so I believe that you had to do a ton of work in a very short time. I did. And I think the benefit of trying to to use and drink like a normal person for a long time and failing at that is like the best education ever. Yeah. Because then when the time came, it was like, oh, this is never going to change. Yeah. Like this is never going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then what we opened with, with your gratitude, that you cry out of gratitude because, you know, you can't believe it well I cried in that lunch when that <laughs> so it's like date three yeah. in New York so now we've been at the marathon together we've you know gone to a burger joint and now the third day we're having lunch in this Italian restaurant and he orders a glass of Chianti for himself and he's like have a sip of this Chianti and, he, and he's like I know you said you don't drink but it's just a sip right you know that kind of thing and I'm like nope not even one and he's like oh do you go to you know one of those places Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was like I do and he's like how's that working for you I remember him so like casually he's like oh yeah how's that working for you Mm -hmm. tears like immediately start crying Uh I'm like my whole life has changed it's the best thing I've ever experienced right and he was like that's really good you know but I did think like all right here's my whole bag of weirdo that I'm putting on our lunch table right right but he was just fine with it and um it's wait how long has it been now that you've been sober uh, in September, September 20th, I'll be eight. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, um... But then, like, you know, ten years, no alcohol. Eight years. Right. Since the weed. See, I thought people stopped saying that once they got to the time. You know how people will go, oh, I'm a month, but I haven't smoked pot for oh, six weeks. You I know? Only because we have been talking exactly, about the history exactly. did I'm I explain. sure you don't. Like. I don't think I was sober <laughs> when I was smoking meat. I would day. be 10. <laughs> you know. Um, and so, and so basically, and then you lived in the valley and, and became a mom and, you know, so, and, and, and your career, I like to go into career too. 
So you couldn't as you worked a ton, but you couldn't as actively pursue it with these three babies. I don't actually. I had not. Everything in my life had been slow coming, and my drinking and using really kept me. No, I hadn't worked a ton. I was always going in the really long, hard way. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. just understand you go get an agent. Like I would go and get a job in the production, and then hope to get an audition. Like that's honestly what I did. My first TV role was on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and it's because I got to know the producer from being an office PA. (laughs) So I went the long way around. Yeah. Um, Most of my work has actually happened in sobriety with my children, because when I got pregnant, I was like, oh, if I don't, I was 28 when I got pregnant the Mm -hmm. first time. So I was like, now's the... I almost hung on to to it harder, right? Because I knew I needed to prioritize my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still, it is it's um, it, even if you figure out the practical side of it, like yes, I can get a sitter for that audition. Mm-hmm. For me, the mental switchover is a challenge because mm-hmm. I don't feel like you know. Not that I go out for this now, but in my um, late twenties and right around thirty, I would still kind of go in for like the hot girl Mm -hmm. and it's like really I just have baby vomit on me and wiped up but that's the that's part of the perfection image that you've had three kids and you look the way you do I'm sorry I know your perception is off or whatever but still um so but you but but so okay so all that work has happened since you've been a mom Mm -hmm. since you've been soap Mm -hmm. and it's not a you know it's great considering my story but yeah. I'm super blessed and um, you know and it's an ongoing trudging yeah. pursuit yeah yeah um, and so these days what are you doing um, yesterday Saturday I had an audition for a play mm-hmm. yesterday I shot um, like eight parts of episodes of a web series that I wrote and produced with UCB called um Acting Like Children, and Mm -hmm. I did it with my uh, sketch group, they're called the Mountain Man Academy, and we've been doing this, it's like our little love project, Mm -hmm. but it's about a former child actor support group, Mm -hmm. and uh, so we shot like all day yesterday Mm -hmm. for that, and uh, it's a UCB uh, web series. And uh, I was on Hot Wives of Orlando, the newest... um, show for Hulu. Oh, great. With Angela Kinsey and Casey Wilson, Joey McIntyre. Nice. Yeah. So I have a really funny um, part in that, and that just launched on Hulu maybe two weeks ago. And Burning Love. Oh, and Burning Love. Yeah. Burning Love. Is that ongoing now? Um, it's went from Yahoo to E, mm-hmm. the E network. Great. And Three seasons, and there the star and director is Ken Marino. Um, they they knew there was going to be three seasons. They basically ran that parody out. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't, but I'm the only person who has it. It's amazing. Yeah. It really, I can say, and it's not just because I'm in it and got to the opportunity to be funny, and they wrote such an amazing script and directed it so well, but it is just like... I'm the least well-known person in it. I mean, it's filled with Kristen Bell, Malin Ackerman, you know, Ben Stiller is in it. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Jennifer Aniston. um, But I got to have a really fun part uh, in that. That's really good. You can still find it online. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Well, interestingly, I took a um, UCB class. Uh, you did. I oh. took improv. Oh, awesome. And I and that's clearly something that like I would never have done if I hadn't been sober. It would never have occurred to me, you know. But those, it was a really um, interesting thing to do in spite because I don't really want to do, I mean, I just did it to do something different. Yeah, it's, a, it's very good just to get the brain working yeah. in a new way. And you are a writer. And my husband, Matt, who's one of the founders of UCB, yeah. who I didn't know, by the way, the night that I met him. You didn't. Had no idea he was a founder. Right. And so that night when he, when I forgot my jacket, I was actually complaining about the bathrooms and how gross they were. Right, right. Had no idea that he, he and he even said, he's like, I'll have to do something about that. Right. And I was like, right. what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, But he talks about improv as being, as writing on your feet. You know, it's when yeah. you learn how to write on your feet. I've seen him do it because I went to um, ASCAP. Oh, Yeah. 
Um, and it's so freaking hard. Yeah. Oh, my God. So you do sketch, though. I'm sure you did the improv, too. I did. I went through UCB. That, to me, is a time... That's one area of motherhood. Completely... Uh, it's actually my one um, regret, if you have regrets. Mm-hmm. It's like my one thing, because I actually love it, and I have had those moments where I'm like, it works, and I went through the levels, and I was like, I understand this, and right. I could do this. It takes a real-time commitment to be good. Oh, yeah. You need to do it, like, every day, as you know. You need to do it every day, and you need to do it for years. And Matt even says, he's like, I think it takes, like, seven years. But, and that's know. quoted. That was quoted in my class that he said that. So, so I was like, fuck this. I'm yeah. not doing this. Yeah. It was three months, and I'm not doing it for another six That's so years. funny that that was quoted in your class, because yeah. he said it to me in our kitchen, like, a year ago. Oh, it's like, it's, yeah, no, it's like the what thing, people say. That's yeah. so funny. Um, I'm so, as in the mix as we are, I'm also so out of the mix. Right, right, right. Um, because my last improv class was 501 with this amazing teacher, Curtis Gwynn. And I had, it was like right before I had my daughter. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I would have loved to have really invested time and like gotten on a Herald team, hopefully right. um, face that fear. But it just feels like a young lady's game now. Well, I'm a I'm a realist. That I'm very practical. I don't do anything without like. I think, like Matt is one of like six people who's ever made a career of it, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And that's it's like if you're into like practical plans. Yeah. I mean, I know UCB now. Like you know, all they all TV shows do is hire out of UCB. I keep right. Hearing. And there and there's a million writers that come out of UCB. Yes. I mean, and there's a writing program there now too. What? Yeah. That I would do. There's a few. I don't know if it's your, you know, your bag, but. Yeah. I mean, I I look, you know, it's impossible to get in a class. Like, I have, the way I got in the Girl, knock, knock, knock I mean, by the way, don't think I'm not thinking that right now. The way I got into 101 is I kept UCB as my homepage. Yeah. So you could see when they post the class? Yeah. Because it was the only way. I was just too frustrated. Yeah. Um, But... But yeah, I mean, it was just, it was also, I mean, not that it's like getting sober, but just to have this group that I was bonded with, Mm -hmm. that we were all like newcomers together Mm -hmm. to this thing, and we needed each other to, you know, to succeed. You know, it was a great metaphor for what, you know, I get out of program. Yeah. And listening, I mean, that's a huge thing is listening. Yeah. Listening and being present saves you in a scene. Yeah. And I'm no expert at all. I'm just around experts who right. I, like, suck off their wisdom. Right. And, um, and that is always what I hear is, like, anytime you're in your head, which is true to life, anytime yeah. you're in your head, it's like, oh, just get grounded and then listen. Yeah, I wonder if it, it's, I mean, it must help with that because my biggest challenge, what's your biggest challenge in sobriety? Oh, you go first. I've talked so much. No, I mean, by the way, you're the guest and you're supposed to. Okay. Um, you know, I think, well, being in the moment, I have several. I don't think I can break it down to one. But being in the moment is definitely one of them. Forgetting, um, you know, t- perfectly taking the third step about my mm. alcoholism and drug use and later cigarette smoking and and really vacillating between taking it about everything else. Yeah. And, yeah. You know? Yep. Thinking I know more than God, thinking... You know, that, you know, that that amazing story in the book about, you know, and acceptance is the answer. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a there's a line, a beautiful line that says, if I find fault with my life, I'm finding I'm saying I know more than God. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that every day, I'm sure, like five times a day. Yeah, which is not to touch on our earlier subject, but it's like the envy and the jealousy. It's like, oh, if I'm, that's exactly what I mean. Like, oh, if I'm up in that business of what that person is doing and I'm not appreciating my own thing, then I'm, you know, I'm backwards probably. Well, yeah, and it's like I, like I don't have the vision that my higher power has for me, you know? I, when I was building this company, I thought, oh, I'll make it into a social media company. I was trying to do social media for rehabs, and it was a total disaster, and it didn't work, and I was so frustrated. And then someone came along and bought it, giving me such a bigger thing than I ever could have anticipated. And, you know, the whole rejection is God's protection. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what doesn't work out so that something better can work out. Yeah. 
So true. Yeah. And the timeline, too, like, oh, I always think it needs to be right now. And it's like, I can't see the timeline yeah. of what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Here. And in my experience in sobriety has been a lot of, uh, if there are things that I thought that I messed up in my using years, I've been, those opportunities have revisited me in sobriety. Interesting. So I'm like, oh, I, there. it's never just like gone and forever ruined. Right. As long as I'm like, hopefully available right. and clear, right. then I might spot the opportunity when it comes back in front of me and hopefully behave in a different way this time, you know? Yeah. I mean, do you find that every job that you do, like you get something and you're like, oh my God, now I understand why I had that weird job that I did that didn't really fit into anything I was doing. It all kind of has culminates in the next thing. Do you find yes, that? Yes. I find that, I definitely find like, oh, everything sort of adds up right. to where I'm at um, now. But I would say that would be one of my obstacles too is as a mother, I feel so much like I'm at the I'm driving this train mm -hmm. at our the train of our home mm -hmm. and I need to do this and they need to brush their teeth and I need to make sure they have food and they're signed up for their stuff and they're getting their doctor's appointments and they're learning you know blah 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 the list mm -hmm. is a hundred things long yeah and I forget every once in a while because I'm so used to filling that role that you know uh, I don't have to drive the train mm, yeah you know and I am so glad that I'm sober because I can't I honestly like I can't I can't keeping a child alive stone cold sober is really hard mm -hmm. I don't know how I would like if I was it's so hard they're always like a step away from death mm -hmm. <laughs> they're putting something in their mouth right they're running off a cliff right they're behind a car like there are so many times where I'm like oh if I came a half a second later, right, they'd, be be gone. Yeah. they'd be gone. They'd be over. Yeah. So I'm like loaded. I would have. Ne I can't. You and know. yet, all these alcoholic parents <laughs> I know. raised all these kids, which makes me go, "Oh, there is a god." Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes me go, "Oh, somebody else is taking care yeah. of shit because these people aren't." Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's uh, reminding myself that I'm not like driving the train. Yeah. And slowing down is a big... And I also... Layers are coming off. You've been sober a lot longer than me. But layers are coming off where I'm like, oh, I see all the ways in which I check out. Yeah. And I don't know that I'm going to stop doing this. Yes. For me, it's like cleaning house. I try to... I love watching like Real Housewives. It's my passion. Mm -hmm. um, or HBO dramas. Mm -hmm. um, and comedies, beep. Mm -hmm. But uh, I... I, so I still check out in those ways, shopping. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Do you do exercise as a checkout? Um, I don't think I do exercise as a checkout. Mm -hmm. I do exercise, but I don't think it's a checkout. Mm -hmm. I have to, like, make myself mm -hmm. exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We definitely, we alcoholics get divided into those two types. Yeah, anything that's good for me, I don't want to do. Anything that's bad for me, I do want to do. Cleaning is good for you. Right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Right? It is. It's at least good for others. Yeah, it's good for others. Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely, I think that that continues to unfold mm -hmm. the things that you didn't even realize, you know. And then the pause, when agitated, gets longer every year. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? No, I've never I'm heard sure, that. I'm not sure it's true. This um, sounds good. Yeah, I, I did have an experience just this weekend where um, I thought I needed to, like, make another amends to someone that I've already made amends to in the past. My sponsor's like, I feel like you want to make an amends because you, it's self-serving. Like, you are you feel some agitation, and so you think that doing this thing is going to make peace in that area, but it's not really born out of anything that you need to really make an amends for. How about making a living amends and right. behaving differently? Because I've already done an amends with this person before. And sure enough, like, I just found myself being so much pausing yeah. And being so much more mindful and an actual tangible shift in my behavior with the person. Um, just this weekend, it was a biggie. Right, right. And you mean that came as as part of the living amends or that was the result of the living amends? Um, as part of the living amends. Right. I wasn't just like a free train through right. spending time with this person. I was like calm, right. pausing. How can I just like chill the fuck out right. here instead of like right. doing this 
Right. And be compassionate. Like, for me, it's really finding compassion. Yeah. Um, that's sort of the answer today, because I feel like I go through stages of where something is being focused on. Right. And right now, where my focus is, like, compassion, and hopefully, as time goes on and I'm gaining compassion for myself. Right then I'll feel more compassion for others around me. It works that way. I hear. I hear that too. <laughs> well, this has been lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, yeah, I can't wait we to We fixed everybody, right? We Everyone's fixed, fixed. Yes. Congratulations. Just keep listening to this over and over again whenever you have a problem. And it'll be fixed. It's a guarantee. So the way I feel is that if you are not in love with Morgan Walsh, you just did not listen carefully enough. Um, she is great. She's funny. She's sweet. And she's an alcoholic. That shit is real. So, there you have it. Morgan Walsh. <laughs>